Job chapter 37. In this chapter, we hear the end of Elihu's speech. He's talking about all of the wonders of the Lord. Some people think whatever Elihu said must be right, because at the end of the book of Job, God doesn't specifically condemn Elihu. He only condemns the older men who accused Job. But Elihu did say wrong things, just like the older men did. But at the end of the book of Job, God says that he won't forgive the older men, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, unless Job intercedes for them and prays for them. Then God will hear their plea for forgiveness. But God never mentions Elihu as needing intercession from Job. So this has made people think that Elihu must have spoke the truth, but actually Elihu didn't, because we heard Elihu accusing Job of sins that Job never committed, and Elihu was repeating what the other three had said, just in different wording. And Elihu himself confessed that he was taking up the same argument that the other three had, and that the only reason he opened his mouth was because the other three were tired of arguing with Job and couldn't say anything more to him. In Elihu's ignorance, he couldn't figure out that the reason the other three stopped talking was because they ran out of lies and arguments. Every time they had a lie or an argument against Job, he refuted it. And Elihu thought that they had stopped talking simply because they were tired or lazy, but they actually stopped talking because they had nothing left to say. So Elihu simply started repeating what they said. So the mystery is, why did God not condemn Elihu when he said the same stuff that the other three said? Well, Elihu was condemned by the Lord's words, but Elihu was the youngest out of all of them. And he, like a child, was simply repeating what the older elders had said. He was parroting what they had taught him. I think that's why God didn't demand that Job intercede for Elihu in order for Elihu to be forgiven. Elihu still needed to ask the Lord for forgiveness, just like the other three did. But because he spoke in childlike ignorance and being a victim of brainwashing that he was, that's why he could go to the Lord and just say, Lord, please forgive me. But God wouldn't listen to the older three because they were the ringleaders of all of this false teaching and the false accusations. And they were older and they should have known better. All of Elihu's accusations were just as wrong as the other three, but he was a victim of brainwashing who was parroting what he had heard. And he was a naive, unschooled young person who really shouldn't have been talking at all. But he thought he was helping the community out by continuing the speech of the elders. God could forgive him if he simply repented, whereas God refused to forgive the older three unless Job asked him to. And this is interesting because God is basically saying, I'm not going to forgive them unless Job wants me to forgive them, because that has spiritual significance. It is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, because God doesn't forgive any of us unless Jesus intercedes and asks the Father, to forgive us. But we're now going to finish Elihu's speech. Verse 1, Also at this my heart trembleth, and it moveth from its place. At the knowledge of all of the workings of God, Elihu's heart trembles, and any of our hearts should tremble at that knowledge. 
2. Hearken diligently to the trembling of his voice, yea, the sound from his mouth goeth forth. Whenever we hear God speak, it shakes us to our core. 3. Under the whole heavens he directeth it, and its light is over the skirts of the earth. In ancient times, they believed that thunder was the voice of God. We saw this already in the Old Testament several times that God spoke through thunder. He spoke to the Israelites in the desert through thunder and lightning, and he spoke to the Egyptians when he was giving the plagues through thunder and lightning. So you might ask, well, why don't we hear God's voice when we hear thunder now? And it could be that our ears have been stopped spiritually because of all of the great sin on the earth, and it could also be that he doesn't always speak through the thunder, just sometimes. For after it roar doth a voice, he thundereth, and the voice of his excellency, and he doth not hold them back when his voice is heard. Elihu says that when God is speaking, he doesn't hold the lightning back. We see that in various places of the Bible, that lightning is going on when God speaks. 5. He thundereth with his voice wonderfully, doing great things, and we know not. We don't really understand what God does. We might see evidence of it, but we don't have a deep understanding of it. And we don't always hear him when he speaks, because we're so spiritually blind at times. 6. For to snow, he saith, be on the earth, and the small rain, and great rain of his power. He commands both the snow and the light sprinkle of rain and the heavy rain. We don't randomly get precipitation. We only get it by God's direction. 7. Into the hand of every man he sealeth, for the knowledge by all men of his work. It sounds here like Elihu is saying that some of the ability to create God has placed in our hands so that we can understand that he is the great creator. Now, we can't make something out of nothing. We can't create dirt and we can't create air. And if we were to make water, we would have to take all of the molecules of water and combine them. But we can't create those molecules. We can mess with atoms, but we can't actually produce them out of nothing. But God can. But because we are able to make buildings and paintings and pottery, that shows us that God himself is the great creator. Because we have no creative ability without him putting it in our hands. 8. And enter doth the beast into covenant, and in its habitations it doth continue. God has an arrangement with the bears and the wolves that they will go into their dens and hibernate. God tells the beasts when to hibernate. 9. From the inner chamber cometh a hurricane, and from the scattering winds, cold. He says that there is a chamber in the south that holds the tornadoes, and God lets them loose from the south. And this seems to be true, doesn't it? This is a simile, so it doesn't mean that it's absolutely literally true, but a simile illustrates a truth in a way that you and I can understand. It's as if there is a chamber in the south like the Gulf of Mexico, and it lets loose all of these tornadoes at a certain time of the year, or at certain times of the year. And the scattering winds do carry cold in them. 10. From the breath of God is frost given, and the breath of waters is straightened. Elihu says that God's breath makes frost, and his breath turns the water of the rivers into ice, and the water of the ocean into ice as well. 11. Yea, by filling he doth press out a cloud, scatter a cloud doth his light. 
God is light. He dwells in darkness, but he is light, which is an interesting paradox. But it's what the Bible says, and it's what we can all see. Because space is darkness, but God is out there, and he brings light to this earth, and he is light. So it says that his light scatters the clouds over the earth, and he measures the clouds, and he knows exactly how big or how small they are. There's nothing by chance from the tiniest cloud to the biggest storm God has ordained it, and he is in full control of it. 12. And it is turning itself round by his counsels. The clouds move and change shape and change size by God's order. For they are doing all he commandeth them on the face of the habitable earth. Habitable means that this is an earth that we can inhabit. Animals and plants and people can live here because he has made it habitable. Everything moves according to his will. 13. Whether for a rod, or for his land, or for kindness, he doth cause it to come. He brings rain either to punish us, like with floods for our sin, or he brings rain to replenish the land that he loves and he created, or he brings rain to be merciful and kind, to forgive us and give us water for our crops and water to drink. 14. Hear this, O Job, stand and consider the wonders of God. Elihu is speaking as if he doesn't think Job has already considered the wonders of God, but Job has spent his whole life considering the wonders of God. But Elihu thinks that he's schooling Job. You know how children will say evil things, but it's because they're repeating what their parents said? This is the same thing that's going on with Elihu. All of his accusations are a childlike parodying of what the older elders have said. He hasn't learned to think for himself. That's why Elihu's sin is a little lesser than the sin of the elders, and that's why God is willing to forgive Elihu without mediation. 15. Doth thou know when God doth place them and cause to shine the light of his cloud? The light of the cloud could be a rainbow, or it could be when light shoots through a cloud like a beam. Elihu correctly says, do we know when God is going to do that? And no, we don't. We have no clue when God is going to make light shine through the clouds or when he'll move the clouds. 16. Dost thou know the balancings of a cloud, the wonders of the perfect in knowledge? Do we understand how the clouds are measured and balanced? No, we don't. In ancient times, they knew how stupid they were. But today, People are so stupid, we don't even know we're stupid. Because when you listen to scientists today or students in a classroom, they'll say, oh yeah, we know how precipitation works. No, we don't. We do not know how precipitation works. We only know that it exists. And that's what Elihu is saying. We know that precipitation exists. We know that the clouds do move and that they're up there. But no one can ever explain how it works. No rocket scientist can ever explain how it works. We only know that it works. And none of us can explain how molecules come together and how they're separated. We can only explain the system of it, but we can't explain what's actually going on. And that's what Elihu is correctly stating. 17. How thy garments are warm in the quieting of the earth from the south. I think he's saying how there can be a a warm southern wind that actually keeps you warm instead of cold. 18. Thou hast made an expanse with him for the clouds, strong as a hard mirror. Elihu says, Did you help God to make the expanse of the sky and spread it out like a hard mirror? 
or a hard glass, and that shows that there is a hard barrier between the atmosphere and space. And it has to be hard, because according to the Bible, space is filled with water, and there is some scientific evidence that that's true. And you would need something like glass to keep water from entering into air. Our atmosphere has a lot of water in it, but it's more air than water, whereas space is solid water, according to scripture. 19. Let us know what we say to him. We set not an array because of darkness. And Elihu should follow his own advice. He's saying, teach us what we should say to him, because we don't know how to speak to the Lord because of the darkness in our own lives. We don't know how to talk to God. He's saying this, I believe, sarcastically to Job as an insult, but Elihu is the one who shouldn't be speaking. 20. Is it declared to him that I speak? If a man hath spoken, surely he is swallowed up. Elihu says that if you try to speak to God, surely you wouldn't survive the experience. And in a way, I think that's true, because when Moses was with God up in the mountain, he had to be sanctified and purified. He was fasting for 40 days, and God also put his hand over Moses to shield Moses, and Moses still came out beaming like a floodlight. He was shining so bright when he came out. And in the Bible, people usually fall on their face as if they're dead when God is speaking to them. So yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. If I were to stand before God in my mortal body right now, I probably would die. 21. And now they have not seen the light, bright it is in the clouds, and the wind hath passed by and cleanseth them. Elihu says that even now we can't look directly at the sun. It hurts our eyes too much. When the wind causes the clouds to clear so that you can see the sun, you can't look at it. Remember back in Genesis chapter 1, it said that God created light before he created the sun. So there is a light source that's totally separate from the sun. The reason we think that all light comes from the sun is because the sun is like a flashlight in our faces, but there's a light behind that flashlight. There's a bigger light behind the little flashlight that he put in front of our faces. So we in our ignorance focus on the flashlight and say that that's where all light is coming from. But according to scripture, there is a morning light that is separate from the sun and comes before the sun and it's God himself, it's his own light. 22. From the golden north it cometh, beside God is fearful honor. I think this might be talking about the northern lights. 23. The mighty, we have not found him out, high in power and judgment, he doth not answer, and abundant in righteousness. We can't figure God out, that's absolutely true. We know some of the things he does, but we don't know the half of what God does. There's many mysteries that you and I have never even known exist. You know, there's little tiny animals that are so tiny that you and I don't even know that they exist. And when we do find one or two of them, we don't understand how they exist or what they're doing or how they hear or how they talk or anything about them. And there's other wonders in the universe that are so big that we don't understand those things. So there's so much that we don't know, and I'm only talking about the big and the small things. We don't even know how molecules stay together. We really don't. Even though we ourselves can imitate it sometimes, we still don't know how it actually works. And he is abundant in righteousness, and he doesn't have to answer to us. 
24. Therefore do men fear him. He seeth not any of the wise of heart. He doesn't show any partiality, and all men fear him. Even the demons fear the Lord. People might talk big and say bad things about God and blaspheme him and laugh at him, but when it comes right down to it, when they're falling off a cliff, they scream the name of Jesus. And when they're begging for their life, they beg in Jesus' name. Even the hardest atheist will pray to Jesus when they're really in trouble. Anybody who hears from God will be terrified when they hear from God face to face. And that concludes Elihu's speech, and it also concludes Job chapter 37.